1998, I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. I did it because I had a few talented friends who needed a place to take their art to the next level. And because I knew there had to be more voices out there waiting to be heard. And because I wanted to go to an open mic where at least two out of three poems didn't suck. My name is Tracy Smith, and this is the KZU Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one limited moment that never crossed into the I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. So on last week's podcast, we heard the finals to pick the 2000 Slam team to go to Providence, Rhode Island. And now we're going to skip forward a couple of months. Why? Because there are missing recordings. Maybe I was so broke I didn't have anything to record on. Or maybe they're mislabeled and I'll find them later and that'll piss me off because they won't be in chronological order. Or maybe I loaned them to somebody to make a copy, never got them back. They're with an ex-girlfriend, or an ex-roommate, or an ex-roommate's girlfriend. Anyway, this show is from July, right before the team left for Providence in August. So you're going to hear some team pieces they've been working on, some multi-voice pieces, which we did every year. Uh, We were... Really well known for it for for a while. The thing about the team pieces, they were hard to get recordings of. To get everybody at the same show. Like we practiced and practiced and practiced. They were almost perfect before we left for nationals. And everybody was so goddamn tired when we got back that we almost never got good recordings of them. But these recordings are, they're pretty fucking good. There are a few on-the-fly edits that happened during recording. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up, uh, because in the open mic, uh, Chris is doing a cover of a poem entitled Corners by Clebo Rainey from Dallas, Texas, and I am doing a cover of an Etheridge Knight poem, and I always like to give credit uh, when I do or someone else does a cover. Also, when I hit record, I think Brooke was a couple of chords into his song already, so forgive me. Sorry. Shit happens. I don't want to live in this world I don't want to live in this world Anymore I can 
Thursday night, like playing my own show if anybody's interested at nine o'clock. Inga's interested. Shouldn't you be? Take your empty little eyes and go away. 
You see, poets always write themselves into corners, you dig. Behind the hipsters, below the cool crowd, past the cigarette machine, just in reach of the bartender and close to the action, but not part of it. Chained to the wallet at the end of their pants, strobed in the disco lights, right to left of wicked two steps away from the fight, just inside of the dark-haired girls, hidden from the goofy blondes attached to the wall. And they are clued too close to the abstract paintings to really understand them, pinned to the lapels of rich men, round peg poked in square hole, folded inside the note, passed to a stranger. Hovered in the haze of corner streetlights, writing epic poems about ordinary things, singing songs with all the drunks, rent cheap motel rooms and shift into overdrive and mountain highways, hurry into the next gig, settle into an unknown corner in an unknown city in an unknown corner in an unknown bar. Pity the fool stupid enough to fuck with a walk-the-walk poet, too crazy to know any better, making them girls wetter and wetter. Bet more than your ass can cover. Count the rubbers left in your poetry bag next to the silver flask. Ask directions from a friendly stranger in a 24-hour grocery store. Neon lights brighter than the sun itself. And snuggle next to that Campbell soup can at the rest area picnic table. Rattle the sabers of all the Civil War dead in the Appalachians. Hide behind clubs doing drugs and scribbling into black notebooks. Unite with chaos strangers jabbering their weird view of life into your tired ears. Peer into the vacuum. Scan for yourself. Scream for the wretched. Fill the spaces with reams of verse. Sketch the portraits of people and places and things. And sing them into their own song. Avoid the wrong move in a dangerous cement. Then pack up for the next gig. You see, poets always write themselves into corners, you dig. They stand at the center of their own universe and they go on and on and on like this poem. That's what poets do. They write themselves into corners. They move patiently through delicate new beginnings, the mystery of non-existence out of the whirling space into the eyes of a newborn. And it's 90% of goodness and light meeting 90% of darkness with no place to go except straight up into the ears of God. kind of sort of modeled on uh, Ginsburg's Who Be Kind To. Be crazy, Caitlin. You're one that carries on with fists loose and resting smiles stretched, stretched like a half-sun. One that stands taller with vibrous, luscious, spaghetti-strapped, tank-top skin. Be crazy when the moon pisses on you and you find yourself naked and suddenly analytical. And you wonder which bathroom stall your childhood's in. Self-voice squeaking and static. Cell phone and camera lens broken in your father's big hands. 
and he's sputtering syllables you cock your head to as he gives his final answer. Be crazy to neighbors who go fuckless, late night coffee, moldy cheese pizza, whose remote control meanderings render him homeless with Jay, Jay Leno's bad savior chin, whose wives have disappeared in the last dress casket wear whisked away by whiskey. Be crazy to your home, your chain link of situations. Climb fearless, your dog's third eye guidance and extra tampons handy for the book of body history and current rewrite. Be crazy for your aging mother and for arthritic cats purring into your mouth on top of your tongue to deliver us from the spill of common sense on sidewalks, your backyard, the WWWs of pop Satanism, Britneyism, counterculture blowjobs sneezing and sleezing around corner shops full of arsenal, spilling like the semen of a rapist in rare form. Be crazy to yourself, Caitlin, because bitterness erupts into hatred and old age, gray skin and wrinkle cream nightmares, a strange place in life to dream of a life that next time you'll wish won't frown on your silhouette shooting horror through your hope. Be crazy because we need more K's in this world with too many W's, A's, R's. More K's to kill and fill the silent crotch of illiteracy where grown men wait for Mr. Clinton to help them sound out taxes. Be crazy when you're on some bus in some town or if you're on a bus you know in a town you love when the last dollar is a split decision between call home, condom, cotex, or coffee calming fears. Be crazy when you fall asleep on the ring, with ringed fingers on the keyboard connection and you dream in black and white and you can't seem to get out of this blossom boutique hole in one youth because your head won't fit back in and your feet are sweaty and slippery and your chickens have gone off to hatch in a place where even clapping won't save them. Be crazy to the invisible, whose, wives, whose vibes are woven on our skin, whose skin is written in our history, whose history is part of an anthology that belongs to the earth, which belongs to no one except every little twinkling black speck bar there, barely there from above, hanging over us like broken glass slivers, slitting who we are and what we do. this title here, but I, so far it's called Trailer Trash Love. He has, he has mustard eyes and a starry coat, his beard clean shaven, he smoked cigarettes rolled from Bible paper and his loopy toothy grin was jagged. She has moist thoughts piled loosely in her head as she traces a butterfly dream. She is red, ready to resort to an extremity, a manic sun rising high and settling low. They curse out loud in praise of the Pope in Rome, romance as the Romans do. do. They found dance to be a pleasant social drink and his karaoke style. Knocked her up off her feet and he loves to sweep in like the ocean licking the sand smooth and grainy. His tongue drips wisdom words fit for a bus stop booth. I want to pinch the sky and believe in fingernails, she proclaims. The faces on her fingers touch him, feel him, write him. She is funky, cheeky, sad with her tearful smiles and glittering salty streaks staining her face. They will have a drunken rainbow laugh after every storm. All right, that was awesome. Give her a big round of applause, guys. Heck yeah. First time up here. That's awesome. All right, we got one more person in the open mic. The big daddy, the slam master, the guy who runs this thing, the guy that needs more props than anybody else around here. Don't you hate it when I do that? Give this man a big round of applause. He makes this thing happen. Tracy Smith, come on up here. You asshole. 
not even doing. All right, fine, fuck it. Maybe some of the old timers will remember if this has ever been read here, but I was just flipping through and I don't think, we used to read it all over, but I don't think it's ever been read here. I don't know. It's by one of my favorite poets. We're going to stretch the limits of the First Amendment. It's called Feeling Fucked Up. Lord, she's gone. Gone, done, left me, done, packed up and split an eye with no way of making her come back. And everything in the world is bare, bright, bone, white, crystal, sand and glistening. Dope, death, dead, dying and jive drove her away. Made her take her laughter and her smiles and her softness and her midnight sighs. Fuck Coltrane. Fuck music and clouds drifting in the sky. Fuck the sea and the trees and the sky and the birds and the alligators and all the animals that roam the earth. Fuck Marx and Mao. Fuck Fidel. Fuck Nkrumah. Fuck democracy and communism. Fuck smack and pot and ripe red tomatoes. Fuck Joseph. Fuck Mary. Fuck Jesus and all the disciples. Fuck Fannin and Nixon. Fuck the revolution. Fuck freedom. Fuck every motherfucking thing. All I want is my woman back so my soul can sing. Fuck yeah! <laughs> What'd you think of that, guys? Yeah. You were right about the first minute and anything, goddamn. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a five-minute break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to have the badass feature. So, uh, get beer. Tip your bartender. Get wasted. Get ready. All that neat stuff. We'll be back in five. Fidget, fumble, fidget, <laughs> fumble, fidget. Fumble, fumble. Okay. <laughs> Looking a little too much like the leading lady in a late afternoon love affair With extremely arched eyebrows, exceptionally heart-shaped lips and a vacant stare Reflecting stage lights and cue cards as you attempt to get in touch with how it feels To come back to life six months after being stabbed to death by your fiancé the psycho killer ex-boyfriend archetype a bit too well to be funny eyes bulging teeth bared staring into lit windows through curtain cracks seething through vows to get her back coming to grips with the certainty of a restraining order in your very near future tired of being just another bleach bottle bimbo with tits and ass and skimpy skirts and half shirts shaking it for ratings five days a week and wishing you just had a husband of your own to sleep with Welcome to Soap Opera City, sweethearts, everyone. Come on in. The only tax your ass to pay is some real live crazy ass action. To keep our viewers spellbound. Captured in midday rapture. In front of the two. Which has become their lives. As, as it will become, become yours. Mental illness is touching, but the story wears thin. We'll have to stir a little crime into thick in the plot. We, we prefer, prefer purebred wackos. wackos. Threats and weapons pull ratings, grab his lapel. Without a gun. Cut to commercial. They're right on the edge of their potato chip fed seats. 
Of course, we can't forget the romance, but one straight, straight couple, couple never holds the crowd for long. They don't believe the fairy tale anymore. So we add the bisexual best friend planning to run off with her brother's bride-to-be. Naturally, he's cheating with the skanky stereotypical cocktail waitress he accidentally hit on in the one supermarket shared by three, three soap opera towns. Next comes a psycho killer ex, also sleeping with the supermarket blonde, but who really wants his girlfriend back, who's about to marry the cheating brother of her sex craze best friend. See how we wind it all together? At the end of the show, you won't know your ass from your elbow. That's what we're all about, folks. Parading. Pain. Agony. Defeat. As a real-life drama. For entertainment purposes only. Any, Any similarity to people and places, places you live near is purely coincidental. So, isn't it ironic when this media blaze blares across my life stage? In full Technicolor glory. Stereo recorded, recorded for, for the, the hearing impaired. impaired. Trapped in a living daytime hell. Playing at a part some asshole wrote in some the Smoke haze of a coffee shop, in Dubuque, shop in Dubuque, Iowa. He's been appealing to the young and the restless for eight years in a row trying to make it big. Retracted from the Hollywood scene, some director finally decided to stick the shit in the circular file of my existence, and I'm stuck. Speaking through static, interjecting subliminal statements between Ajax and Crest Die commercials, begging someone, anyone, to slide their iced tea sipping, peanut butter, popcorn munching finger over the gilded surface of their remote control to the ruby red power button and turn this crap off. No need for introductions. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I would also like to take a second to thank everybody who pays their dollar and three dollar every week to uh, send us to Providence because we're poor, and that helps. Thank you, all of you, thank you. There's money to be made out there in the world. There's fire in the sky. I'm gonna try to retire in my prime just in time before the cancer sets in. There's commercials to see, pearls of value and wisdom. There's sitcoms to sit through. You never have to think, never need to blink about it. Dream like an American. Shout it out through microphones of truth. Being relative, it's easy. There's time to be sleazy. There's time to be bold. There's gated communities with reasonable tax codes and decent well water. There's fluoride and chlorine and, and red-ripe tomatoes. There's antibiotics and antibiotics and antibiotics and antibiotics. And there's at least one more chance to slap a question mark at the end of a declarative. There's green, green grass and corn cob pipes. There's cores and dunk and pop rocks and mood rings and melodies. There's long, lean legs and fingertips that soothe the sullen surface of my soul. There's sports cars and innuendos racing around with reckless abandon. There's hands and feet and pinky toes that know purity. There's blue skies to ascend towards and UV rays that surround us, that penetrate us. There's forces at work in mysterious sightings. There's lightning and thunder and wonderful silence. And all through the maze of the haziest days, there is passion. There's a process by which an artist is cleansed through messages and coincidences and stars that never lie. There's eclipses and rainbows and aurora borealis daydreams. There's trees to sit beneath and mountains to dream of climbing. There's mimes and jockeys posing for pictures. There's bullwhips and cockbites and rhubarb pie. There's details and circumstances with subtle strings attached. There's consequences looming and tiny resurrections. There's a thousand voices calling with a million new solutions to a half a dozen problems that will never disappear because there's poverty everywhere. There's lust and greed. There's corporations and politicians juxtaposing ethics and profits. There's polygraph examinations, DNA and fingerprintings, barcodes and power stations, PCP and revelations of love because there's static on these airwaves. And I have not even begun to listen close enough because somewhere in the world, even as I speak, there's war out there. There's fire in the sky. I'm going to try to retire in my prime just in time 
before the cancer sets in. Hey, I'm Dawn. <laughs> no. No. Later. <laughs> Only for you, though, baby. Oh, my. <laughs> now, be quiet. I'm trying to concentrate here. People can't just see. My, my eyes are... Okay. <laughs> I'm whispering echoes of the little girl standing alone on the playground at recess because it was the ninth time we'd moved in three years. And the faces change, but the test of patience is always there. Around the corner, behind the door, on the radio, and in my head. And I've been waiting for the attic for years. The wish of a child, reading little women, wanting to be Joe. Sneaking out windows, climbing down tree trunks, freedom of tomboy, no skirts and scraped knees. And I still have the scars to show for it. But knick-knack, Kerouac, it's all about a boy. You see, I'm sleeping sideways and walking into walls, tripping over bare feet and tangling my arms, trying to hug the world. I've slipped through the cracks of this shattered glass fractured life that calls me to surrender. I try to ignore the voice that seeps in my windows, crowds out my dreams, and wakes me startled, wishing I was still a child. And so I wait for the ring of the telephone song, but it's only the buzzing of the alarm. Reminding me that I've already been, out of, been awake and I can't get out of bed and I want to go back to sleep and find remnants of a dream left like breadcrumbs, but something is eating the trail. It's slowly slipping away. I'm staring down the funnel at the spiral drain existence and I want to stop trying to understand why my rosebush is wilted and a plague of pigeons has come to my roof to die. And mama said there'd be days like this, there'd be days like yesterday a boy broke my heart, mama. And you said I'd be the one. But I'm a little bit Laura Ingalls, waiting to sail around the world, writing about my life, coming out of the woods. And I think I'm breaking my own heart. I need to find solitude, a place to retreat, regather my belief, indulge myself in me, find the place where I lost my daydreams and collect the stardust I left sprinkled as my footsteps slowly backed away and bless the children sleeping innocent and pure, untouched by rainy days. Hold open my arms and fill the spaces with joy and finger painting, and maybe I'll remember that it wasn't so long ago that I wasn't jaded, when I was satisfied with milk and cookies, and the only name I knew to cry out was Mama. I used to collect things that break. Miniature clowns with painted stone faces, masks of faux feathers, colored glass globes and antique vases, boxes for trinkets and music and jewelry. If it was small and fragile, it fascinated me. I've moved eight times in seven years, my life piling up like the trail of boxes I never unpack, the inevitable history of me waiting to be unwound from its binding and examined for cracks. The permanence of our accidents haunts us in scars. 
We can't escape who we are, what we've become after all the scrapes and the verges we repeatedly stretch to reach, coming so close to the edge that the gravity of falling tugs at our bones, pulls us toward tragedy. The sudden crash late night that shatters sleep into warning, the reminder of how breakable things are. I've collected souls like figurines, the vulnerable pulsing parts of people blistering beneath the skin, burning from the inside out. I've swept the ashen remains of those frail dreams into my palm, cradling pain that never belonged to me, shifting and stealing truth in an attempt to heal myself when I can't even look in the mirror without wincing at the reflection of another woman lost at the conception of self-respect, her image blurred into what's expected. The mother and housewife there to stay, no matter the cost to her graying mind. They never noticed her spirit fading away, spread too thin to cover the corners of their life plans, flattened like well-worn maps to happiness with every road bearing her name. But devotion is not the same as love. I've learned to ignore my artistic obsessions, lined shelves with my unconfessed passions, unpacked emotion like possessions. My porcelain skin strains like paper mache over a hollow frame, fine blue-stemmed veins grown smooth and glassy. I feel those women inside of me, the thousand faces I've tried to be, hand-painted features and ceramic smiles, a shape to suit all suitors displayed for the taking my lifetime of faking, waiting for the shove that breaks me, while the collection of every role I've played hovers on the stiff cement cliff of the last mantle I plan to grace. I'm not hiding in hutches and trophy cases anymore. I won't be an ornament polished and placed to decorate someone else's desire. I've got fires of my own to feed. I need to reclaim the dreams I've tried to deny, decide that I deserve it all, and fly. Because the stars don't come to us. To stroke the sky, we must defy the fall. Yes, I am, babies. Um, this is a brand new poem that I just wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were down at the Rust Belt Regionals. Shameless plug. Um, we came in fourth out of eight, baby. Um, and I don't usually dedicate my stuff, um, but while we were down there Friday afternoon, there were two people who completely independently and completely inadvertently got the wheels turning for me to write this poem. So Tracy and Dan, thank you very much. Um, it's for you tonight. Today I'm strolling the streets of Dayton swapping stories with a fellow wordsmith. We're painting pictures of our childhood dances with words. For him, words on pages tumbled and twisted like so many mad monkeys. You see, he's dyslexic. But for me, it was backwards. I danced with autism. My earliest memory, two years old, beating my head against the floor until light spangled white behind the screens of my eyelids because I had no words of my own. They were locked down tight in the basement of my brain, and I struggled in vain, trying to beat, claw, kick, snarl, howl, the elusive key loose, as I thrashed against the cage of my silence. 
until a moment I wish I could remember. Three years old on the bathroom floor at 3 a.m. My mother pulling her threadbare exhaustion around her like a bathrobe as I launched my young frustration into yet another whirlwind of wordless fury. And she, too heartsick and tired for anything else, simply absorbed my beats, claws, kicks, snarls, howls, wrapping her weary arms around me, trapping my tiny silent rage against her, and rocking me, and rocking me, and rocking me and repeating the only mantra she could think of to soothe the bone-raw desperation of her pent-up child, I love you. And the first set of tumblers clicked into place, freeing howls into sobs as my cage door swung open, sending me on my way to speech. Six calm months and many sentences later, I'm nested in the shabby recliner, clutching the dime store cardboard of a golden book, because now I am in love with the mysterious freedom of words. I know this one well because I constantly pad about with outstretched arms offering up books and please read a favorite flavor in my delicious new vocabulary. In this story, Goofy manages to serenade the animals at the zoo to sleep who had previously been thrashing against their cages. And to this day, I can taste the exact moment that those mystical black squiggles lurking beneath the pictures tumbled and twisted like so many mad monkeys and slid into glorious meaning and I could read. Tonight I'm in a bathroom in a bar in Dayton, three minutes away from three minutes on stage, and I'm sending my words spiraling to Bridget, goddess mother of smiths, poets, and healers. And as I open my mouth to the mic and the words come tumbling and twisting out, 30 years of pent-up language bursting out of its cage like it never has before, I realize with light spangled white behind the screens of my eyelids that the only difference between autistic and artistic is you and R. You are. I am. I am the smith. I am the poet. I am the healer. Building word by word by word those mystical black squiggles that tumble and twist into the poems that I have freed from the basement cage of my brain, wrapping their healing arms around and rocking and loving a three-year-old on a bathroom floor at 3 a.m. Discount bin of poets. <laughs> Ready? Yeah, so is the dirty outhouse <laughs> poets. Oh, wait, wait. Okay, I got enough so. room. You got enough room? All right. One, two, three, four. It's a part of my rock and roll fantasy. I am air guitar strumming, screaming solos, twisted sister, four chord anarchy. We're not gonna take it. I'm punk rock harlequin hippie chick hugging the curves of an electric guitar, smooth, seductive, and begging for more and pl placing my faith in a whole note echoing. I am the glassy blues coolness of a beer bottle, slithering along the neck of a guitar named Lucille, and every story that I tell is punctuated by... I am folk pop hippie rock Tracy Chapman's badass dreadlocks and tight jeans belting out a history of sisterhood. Sister Christian power chords. 
I am Janice on a whiskey binge, put off, put down, strung out and stoned, barefoot and dirty, bleeding lyrics in my life. life. I'm talking about a revolution with simple strums and single notes backing the orchestra, voices arising from my throat. I am BB, John Lee, Muddy Buddy, and any other aging blues man who still has the mojo to make the young girls go, mmm, when I say that I'm in a dangerous mood. Assume the position, one arm out caressing the neck, one arm in cutting the cords, imagine the sound, the piercing distortion, the electric hum, hum. that Instant of feedback, one long high note stretching, reaching up and up. And if your voice cracks, don't panic. Hit the whammy bar and watch it whine. I am Morrissey's wine. I am Susie Sue's garden belt. I am an entire can of Robert Smith's hairspray. I'm on a mission for mayhem, laying down licks, leading you down a highway line with tattoos and tequila. I am Anita Franco's punk blue-eyed extension braids woven into the wisp of a shaved head. I am calloused, leathery fingertips, scabs on the strings of a folk guitar gone mad. Throaty chokes and child like squeals thrown from every angle of emotion. I take puddle hives and swan dives. I am Jimi Hendrix tripping out and ripping licks. I am Night Ranger. I am Axel, baby, using my illusion, baby, living on the rhythm, baby. I am fly on jukebox hero. Taking crazy flying leaps off the edge of propriety. I stroll the streets in leather bras and rubber shorts. I say fuck at least once on every album, and I'm living the life of the righteous babe I was born to be. I am Motley Crue, just a smoking in the boys' room. I am Air Guitar, the whacked out drug race suicidal superstar going wild, smashing guitars, living and dying in dingy blues bars. I am the seventh whiskey down in the after hours murk to drown out the fact that now that it's all over, all I can do is drink to the hush of the snare brush sound of the janitor sweeping up the solder. I am low down, hardcore, greasy speed metal, but I am not. Fred Bear. I am not Jewel or Alanis. I am not Jake or Elwood. I am not Madonna. Ever. Ever. I am Joni Mitchell singing simple songs of strength laced with purity thrown... Flowing with jazz rhythms and a voice like rock candy. I am the golden hand Fender Strat, two-band madman, swinging my arm around the world and rocking out like, like... Like Lyle Lovett! I am so smooth that I can make... I come home late from losing my job to find that my baby don't change the locks on me because she up and left me for my best friend. I don't even have no money for mad dog. Sound downright appealing. I am the impossible for mortal chords to reach shimmering notes above high G, sustaining a Sarah McLaughlin solo. I am her piano. I am your guitar, like the edge, like Slash, hiding behind my long, frizzy bangs. I am Chuck Berry, sleight of hand, moving faster than most men masturbate, fingers bleeding, crawling, calling. I am your guitar, a bright, white, white shooting, shooting star. star. I am your guitar. What is your is our beloved John? Show us your belly. Give a big round of applause, guys. All right, I'm going to have to start things off by breaking the no nudity rule. There are many reasons I cannot write depressing poetry. One reason is milk duds. When I was a kid, I used to eat them all the time until I thought about the name Milk Dud. See, a dud is when you stick a firecracker into a frog's mouth and nothing happens. It was a waste of time, so I thought Milk Dud. Milk waste of my time. Milk is a waste of my time. And I never drank it. And I got brittle bones. You see, there are many reasons I cannot write depressing poetry. 
Another reason is the lousy memory I inherited from my mother. She used to say, go clean your room. And I would, and I would get her for inspection, and she would say, your bed's not made. And I would say, I'm going to bed in three hours. Why do I have to make my bed? And she would say, what if company comes over? And I would say, why would company want to see my room? And she would say, to see your new football trophy. And I would say, I don't have a football trophy. I have brittle bones. If I played football, I would be broken in two. And she said, I forgot. Your brother has the football trophy. All you got is the lousy memory you inherited from me. The lousy memory I inherited from my mother is another reason I cannot write depressing poetry. The last reason I cannot write depressing poetry is Kurt Cobain. I used to think Kurt was cool. I used to think Kurt was a rebel until he shot himself with a gun and everybody was sad and I thought, if I shot myself with a gun, everybody would think that I accidentally broke one of my brittle bones because I would forget to leave a suicide note. So you see, because of Kurt Cobain, the lousy memory I inherited from my mother and milk duds, I do not want to kill myself. And I think if you want to write depressing poetry, you have to want to kill yourself. That's my excuse. What's yours? What'd you guys think? Goddamn right, that's some depressing shit. Judges! I got one. I got two. I got three, four, and f <laughs> I never knew how great America was until last night when I watched a porn flick through an open window. It don't get no better than that. It was voyeurism times three. No need for human contact at all. When a man is fucking a woman and the cameraman films that man and someone rents that videotape and I watch that movie through an open window, I am become that man fucking that woman. America means never having to meet your lover. All 250 million of us are simultaneously getting fat on couches watching other men and women shoot our baskets and run our races and defend our goals for us. I don't have to leave my house at all. The whole world is delivered to my door in white cardboard boxes, and my icebox is stocked with two cases of beer, which in addition to making me more desirable to women, is also endorsed by 20 retired football heroes. America means athleticism begins and ends at the refrigerator. America is best viewed through a 90-inch big screen TV life-size. It don't matter that the TV people don't look like me or dress like me or act like me because they look and dress and act like I wish I did, and that's what matters. Television tells us the world is 20-something white and beautiful. We're all just sitting around New York City coffee houses trading banalities with clever clones of ourselves, and we believe it. America means must-see TV is no lie. We don't need to go to hell. 
because we're already there, baby. We're living it. Hell is pleasing illusion painted so thickly and harsh reality, we don't know the difference. We're eating shit and liking it because it looks like porterhouse. We're wallowing in the mud and imagining the beaches of Jamaica. We're fornicating with dogs and horses all the time, thinking of Claudia Schiffer. America means never having to open your eyes. And what's wrong with that? We can go right on believing that we are loved by the world for a most American of contributions to culture, blue jeans and Baywatch. The French don't really hate us. They're just embarrassed we had to save their butts from the Germans, right? And the Japanese are just jealous of our gigantic dicks. And the Russians are just whining about the fall of communism. America means never having to say you're sorry because we write our own history books. This is America. And everyone's busting down the gates of Tanaris and crossing the river Styx to get in. Because in America, we can pretend we're not suffering while we surround ourselves with our big screen TVs and our luxury sedans. In America, we can weep all night and dream all day. In America, the sane are locked away for disturbing the peace. In America, the best of us will die in prisons or rot on the streets. In America, what's the point? In America, life is just a click away. See, I am completely broken. My soul is wandering through great plains and hasn't bothered to tell me when it will return. And I feel my heart fall into these vague depths and hasn't tried to find its way out. And it probably never will. And I try and I try to comprehend the extensiveness of my being. And I just can't seem to grasp my purpose. So I remain lost, like this elusive being that's not even real. And I have this incomplete, almost empty feeling where my heart used to beat and I don't know what's going on. And see, I have to learn, now I have to cope with being what I'm not or what I never wanted to become, and I don't want to be this empty. And I don't want to be overzealous either, but there has to be some type of in-between that I can hold on to. There has to be some type of in-between that I can hold on to. And see, I'm just like losing control. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Okay, and now I have to cope with being what I'm not or what I never wanted to become, and I don't want to be this empty, and I don't want to be overzealous either, but there has to be some type of in-between that I can hold on to. I just need to have some type of sensation that gives me closure and helps me feel this entirety once again. And the thing is, I don't know what happened. I just fell into this oblivion of sorrow and grief over things I couldn't even control. And I have to live with this constant meekness, this continuous lack of spirit and courage, and I am completely broken. <laughs> To a poet as a drug, a sense is like a rapture. Melodies as lands in other dimensions, as walking distances, as place to place as a victim like me. As a tower built with my own hands and rivers to place a dream, or a thing that crawls and dies. A crab is placed in time and found a home and a remedy eyes up, up in the sky. Like flowers in sweet lands that I can see. A distant sound that crowns between laughter and decays before time itself. To me as a gift, a non-stop thought as a board chessboard that is made from hands and a victim. Well, eyes open, let it continue to know what with great thoughts. Place down a great sounds and touches at thee, 
and made ourselves a great grass and founder and great cry with hands has been in creator. I stand before the mirror asking myself this question, who am I really? In these dark brown eyes of mine, I could see that I am one of a kind. No one else could be like me, for I am as big as the ocean as far as the eye can see. Uh-oh. Experiences of life you will find when you search my body, soul, and mind. The makeup of my character is so indescribable, even the stars of the universe would agree that I'm undeniably attractive, intelligent, and witty. Would you two say that I am gorgeously pretty? But but why does it seem that my heart does not agree with what I truly see? In these eyes of mine, I see more than just a pretty face and a beautiful smile. I see strength and courage that can go a long while. Now ask me again, who am I really? I have been bitten by the snake lady. She's muddled my mind and made me crazy. My thoughts are thick, my vision hazy. My discourse dazed, my mouth tastes pasty. Her venom in my veins, my sight slips shady. With vehemence I explode, my nucleus racing. I am gulped down her gut and I cry, Oh baby, you can have me any time, you insatiable snake lady. His touch is like the flowing rivers traveling throughout my innermost being, forcing me to shiver as his finger streams down my warm body, causing me to release every care that I ever had. And I fall into his muscled arms, wanting his touch to take me to another level of freedom, which I've never experienced before. A freedom where I have permission to let my body crave whatever it wants whatever it wants and to feel whatever my body wants to feel and to soar in the skies as naked as life. His touch is what I want, is what I need, is what I've been waiting for, his touch. Back when I was a semi-suicidal teen, I used to fantasize about my funeral. I would see myself laid out in a cherry wood coffin lined in white silk. I looked pretty dapper in a top hat and black suit. I think about who would come and who would not. What would they say about me? I imagine all the girls who always wanted to date me but had been too shy to ask. I imagined them weeping silently for my irrevocable loss, their one chance at happiness torn away from them forever. 
Every schoolyard bully would beg my dead body forgiveness. They really didn't mean to kick my ass. They had just been so confused about their homosexual longings for me. And Prince and the Revolution would play, Sometimes it snows in April, which would be perfect because that was exactly when I had died. But even then, I knew that funerals are only temporary stoppages of time and life goes on without. It wouldn't matter if the celebration of my death was the kick-ass event of the season and everyone in my small town of 15,000 showed up to pay homage to my life. Even if they had a special page in the high school yearbook devoted just to me, eventually people would stop talking about the funeral, stop talking about me, the dead guy and I would slowly pass out of memory. My senior photograph would gather dust, my little brother would inherit my room. At 16, I had far more potential than accomplishments, and no one remembers potential. I'm not ready to die now, but the idea of immortality still keeps me off nights. The very thought of never dying, never dying, never dying kills me. I would far rather contemplate my death than infinity. I have foreseen myself wrapped in white linen, arms crossed across my chest, lying in the sarcophagus laid in the tomb. That vision is far more comforting than me at 450, having read all the books and had every sexual position and learned every language. There's nothing left but sorrow and loneliness. So even today, I still think about my funeral and you can bet I'll be watching. So don't you dare bury me in some cheap-ass white pine box. I want my body to be bronze and displayed in the Smithsonian. I want all my poetry and journals and letters to be published posthumously. I want a full-length Japanese anime movie made depicting my life. Sorry. My funeral is not for you to mourn my loss. It's not for you at all. It's all about me. My funeral will be my last-ditch effort at validation. All my friends in heaven and hell will be there. I'm talking Hendrix and Hemingway, James Joyce and Janis Joplin. I don't want them to think I don't know nobody before I died. You invite everyone I've ever known. I don't care if they loved me or hated me. I'll be measuring the length of the processional. I'll be counting cars. If heaven's got beers, I'll be drinking right along with my relatives, all drink, drunk and weeping and laughing at the same time. And if you have to wear black, make it that black evening gown, the one with the slit that goes almost all the way up, because I'll be dancing and singing right along with you long into the night. Get in there with your book, script, spit that shit out, man! <laughs>